Shall we gather at the river? Let's do so. We're bound for the promised land. Friends, good morning. Welcome to our 945 service on this All Saints Sunday, probably my favorite Sunday of the year, I believe. Welcome to those of you in the room and the many more we know who are joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. I look around, I know some of you are visiting with us. We're, we're so honored that you have come. We hope you leave us some contact information. We'd love to reach out to you and begin the process of uh, befriending one another. Thank you again for coming. Uh, my name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Nathan Arledge. It's a joy to be here on this All Saints Sunday where we are gathered amid one another, but also with the heavenly host, with the saints who have gone before us, who have put so much into our lives of why we are here. Um, they led by example, and one way that we can continue that tradition is investing ourselves into the life of the church. You can find many ways to do that through This Week at Myers Park, through your insert, um, and reach out to us. As James said, we want to get you plugged in um, for transformational ministry. Let us continue this time of worship.
Revelation chapter 21, beginning with the first verse. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true.
as we continue to worship together, let us affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The epistle reading is 1 John chapter 3, beginning with the first verse. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of God for the people of God. Garrett, thank you for reading those words. Uh, we could profitably ponder them uh, every day for the rest of our lives. So lovely, the uh, part in there about being purified reminds me of this thing that C.S. Lewis wrote in a letter to a friend later in his life on sort of the idea that, you know, oh, you know, God loves you when you die, you can go to heaven just the way you are, just as I am. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote, wouldn't it break your heart if God said to us, it is true that your breath smells and your rags drip with mud and slime, but we are charitable here in heaven, and no one will upbraid you with these things. Enter into the joy. Should we not reply with submission, sir, and if there is no objection, I'd rather be cleaned first. I think about uh, life as preparing to visit, I don't know, who's the most resplendent person that you possibly could visit? For years I said Queen Elizabeth, she's not with us anymore, <coughs> but you get the idea. Last month, Lisa and I were hiking in Vermont, uh, and an amazing thing happened. We, we enjoy hiking 
uh, you, know, you wander through the woods, it's free, it's not cheap, it's good. And um, always after we get to the top, you know, people struggle, and then they get to the top, they're doing selfies, they're taking photos of the vistas. And then always when we're on the way down, I like to speak to the hikers that are coming up. And depending on how they look, I have something to say. Like, if they look like they're just dying, I'll say, it's only four more miles. <laughs> or if they look like they're really just struggling, I'll say, you're almost there, you're almost to the top. We're coming down from this place in Vermont, and uh, this woman coming up, and I said, you're almost to the top. She said the funniest thing. She said, I don't really mind if I'm not at the top. She said, I just like walking in the woods. Like, I love that. And it made me think about my uh, spirituality series that, uh, that I'm almost done with now, How to Be Spiritual. It, it's, it's not the destination, I am now intimate with God, right? It's the, it's the journey toward God. We enjoy walking toward God, making the climb. But also, since today we're uh, marking the end of life, think about the end of life, the journey toward that is, um, I don't know how to put it, uh, life is, isn't it? It's fabulous, it's hard, it's funny, it's boring, uh, it's delightful, it makes you crazy. It's all that. that, and that's why we cling to it so tenaciously and treasure it so much. Even in the final stages of life, those final days before the end, it can really be, it can be awful. We know, uh, but it also can be lovely. Sometimes I've seen older people, my father did this, became more tender late in life, became more outspoken about his emotions. Sometimes you see people late in life, they become more noble. They, they've shed everything that they thought mattered, but didn't really matter so much. Um, even things that happened uh, years ago, I was in a meeting in Portland, Oregon, and a friend of mine and I realized that one of our favorite authors named Brian Doyle lived in Portland. And we took a flying leap and just, just sent him a message and said, could we meet you? Like, we're just groupies, you know. And he came out and had a milkshake with us. It was great. And we talked to him, and not long after that, he was um, way too young, still in his 50s, diagnosed with cancer. And, did not live a long time, but during those days that uh, he was moving toward death, he wrote some amazing things, uh, including this about his young son. Every morning, my son got up early to help me put my socks on. I would sit on the back stairs in the dark, and he would wrestle my socks on, and neither of us would say any words. And I still can't think of anything cooler than that. I've racked my brain and considered all the possibilities of love, and I still return to that boy and those socks. No matter what happens to me, that happened to me. I love that. Love, love always matters, uh, but at the end and beyond the end, love really matters. Barbara Kingsolver is... Uh, famous once again for writing Demon Copperhead. Years ago, she wrote a book that I really treasure called Animal Dreams, and in it she speaks of the town of Grace. She says, in the town of Grace, they each year celebrate the Day of the Dead, and I always think about it on All Saints. She said, on the Day of the Dead, the citizens of Grace would 
uh, go out to the cemetery and they would throw flowers all over the ground and they would bring feasts, great food, and they would take little stones and they would carve the initials of the ones that they had loved and lost in the ground. And it was just a great celebration. She said, in the town of grace, you never stop being loved. I want to say to you, in this church, you never stop being loved. You never stop being loved. It's going to fall to me in a couple of minutes uh, to read the names of those that we have loved and lost in this church in the past year. I hope I'm not reduced to um, blubbering, and I'll do my best. And thinking about this, when I read them at 8.30, I caught myself looking to where people sat, right? They're not there, but always had their place where they sat. So precious. And a couple of people have said to me, it's probably hard to read some of those names. It's an honor to read the names. It's an honor to read the names. We know, I love that we do this, we know how to hallow death. The world knows how to trivialize death and be afraid of death. We know how to hallow death. Uh, eight days ago, I spoke at uh, my father-in-law's funeral. He was the senior pastor here back in the 70s. He's one of the names that we will uh, read. And uh, I did my best at his service, and after I sat down, I realized I forgot my very best line. Like, dang. Uh, and what it was was this. Uh, my father-in-law had a, a great career in ministry, so many accomplishments, achievements. You could go on and on about all of that. But after he died, I began to hear from people about all the great things that he had done. The single best compliment that he received, this is hard to beat, came from an older woman in our church who, when she was a young teenage girl, met my father-in-law where her church was. Now, here's the story. My father-in-law, uh, let's just say it, he was a person of privilege. He grew up in a wealthy family. Uh, his home he grew up in, it's on the historic register. He studied at Davidson. He studied at, I mean, you know he's amazing, Duke. <laughs> and then he downgraded a little, went to Cambridge University after that. This is a person of immense privilege, if you can picture that. The bishop then sent him to a little mill village just outside Charlotte where people weren't educated or sophisticated at all. So this woman who had been a young person there said, we loved him so much. And I said, why did you love him so much? She said, he was just one of us. He was just one of us. I got that said at the funeral. What I forgot to add is that the God that he trusted his life to, it's the same story. God, talk about privilege. God lived in the splendor of heaven, but God came down and just became one of us, lived our life from the inside out, knew our pains, hurts, joys, dreams, rejections, death just became one of us. Paul in 1 Thessalonians says, we grieve as those with hope. That doesn't mean that we don't grieve. Some people miss that. They think if you're a person of faith, you're just, oh, you're just doing great, even though I suffered a terrible thing. No, we grieve. We grieve heavily. 
I reread this week a book by my friend Rick Lisher, who uh, for years taught preaching at Duke Divinity School. <clears throat> uh, Rick's book is about uh, his son Adam. Adam died of cancer at age 33, and he narrates that process so eloquently. And he says in there that when Adam died, he and his wife couldn't think of what to do. Like, who do we call? What do we say? <laughs> I mean, Lisa and I found that. We knew her dad was gone, but it was so hard to reach someone on the phone and to say that he was gone. Simple words, but it was hard to say it. As Rick put it, I knew he was dead, but to hear the verdict spoken was crushing. He said, on in the days to come, the absence was an absence that chilled me to the bone. He said, there's the one-two punch. It cannot be, and yet it is. We grieve, but we do grieve as those who have hope. I want to go back to my, my uh, hiker in Vermont. She said, I'm okay if I don't get uh, to, the, to the top. I wish I'd go back to her and say, the top's really cool. <laughs> Right at the top, I mean, it's so glorious. I mean, the, the journey toward where God is taking us, it's a great journey. It's a lovely journey. It's a hard journey. But the top, the destination, is absolutely uh, splendid. We get confused about it, don't we? We talk about eternal life. I've heard people say, um, yeah, in heaven, I'll play golf every day and get a birdie on every hole. I hope to God I don't have to play golf in heaven. <laughs> so dang frustrating. I mean, surely, surely not. Tammy Faye Baker famously said when she was dying, she said, oh, heaven for me will be a giant shopping mall and I'll have a credit card with no limit. Friends, when we get to heaven, things like golf and shopping will be so boring. Like you'll think about it and go, oh, I guess there's better things to do because you heard Garrett read it. In, in, in heaven, we will see God as God is. Like now you try to see God, you try to understand God, always feels like there's a ceiling, you can't quite penetrate, but there we will see the beauty, the wonder, the glory of God. <laughs> and it will just be so jaw-dropping, like golf, shopping, all these things that we think are so important. Just like, we see God as he is. And, and it also says, I don't know if you heard it, it's so interesting. It said, and then we will be like him. Like now in some ways we're like God, but in many ways we're not like God, and you know that best about yourself. But in heaven we will be like him. Rick said that uh, he was in so much grief, they sat down with the Catholic priest who was going to conduct his service. And he said, the priest patiently explained to me that Adam was now more like God than like us. I love that. Those you've lost, they're now more like God than they are like us. And we see ourselves truly for the first time, this other theologian that I love, uh, 
named Lofink, he, he wrote this thing. I love this idea. He, sa he said that after death, he said, you will see clearly the truth about yourself and your life. I mean, now you can fool yourself. <laughs> you can think all kinds of things that aren't, aren't real, and you have blind spots. I mean, that's just how it is. But he said, in eternity, you'll see the full truth about yourself, and that will include all the dumb things you ever did, the people that you ever, ever hurt, and you don't even know that you hurt them. All of that will become very clear to you. And he said, only then will you understand the mercy of God. And in that moment, what you will realize is that your life is littered with the debris of mistakes, but, but God is actually gathering all of that up and healing it and, and redeeming it, and all is uh, glory, all is mercy. Another thing I did say at my father-in-law's service I should have brought it today when I started as pastor here. He'd had the same job, so he knew. So he wrote me a note saying he was praying for me. People do that all the time. They say, I'm praying for you. You wonder if they actually get it done or if they just get off of the praying hands emoji and they're done. <laughs> but he wrote me this long, full-page, handwritten note of, that he was praying for me, and he went into considerable detail. I'm going to pray for you for this. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for this. And I, I've kept that ever since, and I look at it often, and I, knowing him, he did that every day. And if I've done any good here, it would be the result of his intercessions. And what I said at his service is that what we believe in the church is that he's not done with interceding for me and for others. We believe that the saints in heaven continue to lift us up to God. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. Uh, Brian Doyle, uh, in closing, <laughs> He told about, uh, as he was dying, he told about, he remembered when uh, his boys were little and he would drag them to church. They didn't particularly want to be there. And they would sit on the pew and they might be falling asleep or they were just weary kids. And, and he would feel the weight of their body leaning against him. And he remembered just how beautiful that felt these boys to be leaning on him. But then he said that toward the end of his life, as he was dying, he spoke to his sons and said, well, you, you need to go to church with me now. So they came, and they would sit in the pew with him, and then now he was the one because of his cancer that he had to slouch onto his sons, his weight leaning now into those boys who are no longer boys but men. He called this the wordless pleasure of leaning against someone you love and trust. The wordless pleasure of leaning against someone you love and trust. The gospel here is that we can lean on God, whom we love and trust. We can lean on one another in the body of Christ, whom we love and trust. There don't have to be words. I know some of you, you're trying to say words to me and Lisa, and we appreciate all of the words, but it's never about the words. In times of loss, in times of hope, it's not the right words, it's just silence 
body leaning against another, a boy wrestling socks onto his father. If there have to be words, maybe the words are love. Maybe the word is God. Maybe the word would be hope. Maybe the important word is simply the name of the one that we loved. Friends, on this Sunday, we celebrate All Saints Day as we remember with thanksgiving the members of our church who have entered the church triumphant during the past year. In our prayers, we ask that God would grant them eternal rest and that we would be kept in communion with all the saints until we are reunited with them around the heavenly throne of God. We remember all who have lived and died in faith and especially those most dear to us who rest in God, whose names we speak now. So friends, out of reverence, I would invite you to please stand for the naming of the saints. Mary Lena Cox Bain, John Norris Blackwelder Sr., David R. Bodie Jr., Paul Thomas Bowen, Janet Young Bradshaw, Jeffrey Lynn Burgess, Robert Bond Bird II, Richard Craven Carter Jr., Peggy Ann Hall Clemens, Thomas Allen Crow, <laughs> Ann Westcott, Petey Woodall Devant, Flynn Keels Dixon, Mark B. Edwards. Robert Bo Weir Elliott, Jr. Janet Bowles, England. Doris Fonville. Norman Earl Doc Fuller. Paul Eugene Gibson, Sr. John Gardner Golding, Preston Eugene Guyton, Joseph Kirkland Hall III, Sandra Moore Hardy, James Earl Hatfield, Stephen Warwick Hieronymus, Sharon Bunn High, Robert Latham Johnson, 
Sharon Louise Scott McKnight, Mary Westman McKnight, John Lee Morris, Patricia Eastburn Munn, Michelle Marie Noyne, Jerome Johnson Richardson, Theodore Anthony Scharfenstein, Jeffrey Ruth Schott, Barbara Neal Shaw, Herbert Rufus Spa, Jr., Phyllis Lee Spear, Thomas Barber Stockton, Francis Justice Timberlake, Jr., Carl Wilson Walker, Jr., Hubert Leroy Wilson, Jr., Doris Bain Wren, and we light a final candle for all those that we have loved and lost who have joined the church triumphant.
prayer by praying together our All Saints prayer. We bless your holy name, O God, for all your servants who have finished in their course, now rest from their labors. Give us grace to follow the example of their steadfastness and faithfulness to your honor and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. God of the prophets, of the saints, and of the faithful gathered in your presence this day, throughout the ages you have comforted us, challenged us, and empowered us. You know the depths of our hearts. You hear our deepest desires, dreams, and fears. And you've called us to be your people, that your kingdom might become lived reality on earth as it is in heaven. We are mindful of all the places and all the times when we have fallen short of the title of saint. In these challenging times, we feel entangled in uncertainty and worry. We have succumbed to the fears and have vented our anger upon one another. Our failures weigh heavily on us, and we seek your forgiveness. We ask for the grace of your mercy and for the gift of your love. Transform us. Change us from the inside out that we become true reflections of your image in our hurting world. Eternal God, we are grateful that in all times and in all places you have provided your church with faithful people who point others to you. We give thanks for the great cloud of witnesses who surround your throne and who have called us to follow in their footsteps. On this day, we thank you for the saints whom we ourselves have known and loved. And now we lift up to you the Cato family and the loss of Waylon Jr. and Waylon III, who have entered into the light of your presence. Comfort their family in this time of grief and renew us all in the hope of your salvation. As we go forth from this place today, enable us to lead a life of faithfulness and humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We lift this prayer in the power of your love of us, through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we prepare ourselves to give back to God, we, we rejoice for the ministries that your tithes and offering make possible, such as the care for those who are grieving and hurting. We just want to lift up the grief support workshop that begins this week. Give now and give generously.
Generous God, what a joy it is to give back to your work, to your kingdom building. May we be as a church continue to be faithful into our community near and far, bringing about your love and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. beautiful and hopeful thing to be in worship together this day. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.